And welcome to the 20, August 20th edition, 2009, of Liberation Station. This is your host, Chris Steiner, and we have joining us in the studio again with us, Dennis. How are you doing, Dennis? Very good, actually. Uh, great evening here. Great. Thanks for joining us. And we're going to be talking about a lot of the things in the news. Uh, continuing from last week, uh, since the phone lines were down and uh, they are up this week, I assume. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're just uh, going to take uh, some of your calls on uh, health care starting out. If anyone had anything to say about last week's show uh, that we covered a lot and uh, the phones um, were not available, so uh, we couldn't interact with you. The phone number here in Pinellas County is 727-441-3000. That's 727-441-3000. Toll free, 866-826-1340. That's 866-101340. The website is theliberationstation.com. That's theliberationstation.com. Change your bookmarks. It's changed since uh, about three weeks ago. And uh, we'll be talking, some of the things we'll be talking about tonight, we'll be getting into the uh, Obamacare message and how well it's being received. Uh, we'll be talking, especially as, it, uh, as Floridians are concerned, uh, Miami Herald article. Also, how, the, uh, how we could uh, help fix the health care system. We'll be talking a little bit more about that, um, continuing from last week, starting out, because uh, there's so many ways that are being neglected. Uh, the administration, as uh, does conventional medicine, considers preventative health, or I shouldn't say uh, conventional medicine that has said that word's been tainted, uh, allopathic medicine, uh, government-controlled medicine, uh, for some reason thinks that uh, they need to redefine preventative medicine to mean just uh, vaccinations and tests. Often these tests are, are rather uh, dangerous. Or the vaccinations are deadly, of course. We've talked about that in great detail due to the many things they put into the vaccinations, uh, not just the, the um, impaired virus or the viable virus, whichever the case might be. They also put in adjuvants that are supposedly there to uh, stimulate your immune system, things like squalene and aluminum, mercury, also known as thimerosal. So those are things that, that they've deliberately put in to provoke an immune response, and they often end up over-provoking your immune response for uh, chronic extended and lifetime uh, periods and uh, even up to your, your lifetime, and uh, of course shortening your life. These uh, constant inflammatory and autoimmune and nervous systems, nervous uh, system uh, diseases um, are just, uh, are just uh, side effects, proven side effects of these adjuvants. And uh, we'll be talking a little bit uh, about uh, Cindy Sheehan. Uh, we'll be getting definitely into her and uh, what she's, how she's speaking out and protesting Obama and uh, his pro-war stance she, of course, lost a son in the Iraq War, and uh, hopefully she'll be joining us next week if, uh, if all goes well. We've been speaking to, to uh, one of her agents, so looks like she'll be available. But tonight she's speaking in, um, at an event with Cynthia McKinney. We've spoken about her in the past, a very important figure because she's always uh, been so bold in trying to convey humanitarian supplies to the people of Gaza who are under their blockade and uh, the ongoing Israeli blockade. The Israeli Defense Force had uh, taken her and uh, her, the passengers and crew of the Spirit of Humanity 
into custody and tried to force them to sign a, an agreement, uh, basically a contract, admitting that they had uh, broken international law, or I don't know exactly what it would say, what it said, because it was, uh, I'm, I'm just assuming here, one can only assume because uh, according to Cynthia McKinney, it was written in Hebrew, something that she could not understand. So uh, they were trying to get her to sign something, some kind of agreement. And uh, even though it was an act of piracy on the international waters, on the open sea, another act of piracy. And uh, this time she survived and all, fortunately all the uh, passengers and crew of the Spirit of Humanity lived to tell about it and how they were abused. Uh, we'll be also talking about, um, we want to uh, just make a brief mention, this won't take too long, just uh, a brief mention of uh, Dr. Rand Paul, who is the son of Ron Paul, he's an eye doctor. Uh, Dr. Rand Paul is an eye doctor now, is, uh, is running for, in, he is running in Kentucky for a representative, and he is in a striking distance, according to uh, CampaignForLiberty.com. He's running against uh, Secretary of State uh, Grayson, uh, pardon me, uh, Trey Grayson, and uh, and it looks like uh, his 26, per, uh, Grayson's 37 percent is being eaten away by Rand, Dr. Rand Paul, mm -hmm. at 26 percent. And so uh, we just got to compliment uh, the grassroots are springing up any, everywhere. The son of uh, Dr. Ron Paul has uh, his son riding on his coattails and uh, looks like he's doing it out of his uh, patriotic duty. Did you know that today is actually Ron Paul's 74th birthday? Happy birthday, Dr. Ron Paul. I saw a picture, I, I think it was on uh, GCN's homepage, and they had a picture of uh, him at the uh, birthday celebration. And right on the cake is Rand Paul. Somebody put a little, um, I don't know if it was a sticker or something, right in the center of the cake. Cool. So they were going to take the moment. They knew they were going to have a photographic moment, so they made the best of it. Ah, oh, there it is. Great photo op. See? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You can see me tilting my head on the webcam. <laughs> Rand Paul, U.S. Senate, August 20th. Huh? That's awesome. It looks like uh, he's very touched by it, Dr. Ron Paul is. Well, <laughs> very good. Looks like they gave up on the idea of 74 candles, too. <laughs> yeah. There's a I few there. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, that, that might have uh, a lot of carbon credits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Melt the cake. Probably retroactive once they enact the <laughs> oh, <laughs> climate yeah. bill. Oh, gosh, they'll probably make that retroactive. Oh, what's the chance of that happening, right? Uh, well, with these eugenicists, they just won't stop until they're pushed back. So, uh, Dr. Ron Paul's there doing that. People wonder why animals eat their young. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we're we're kind of uh, everybody's pet, I guess, in a way, aren't we? <laughs> I met the uh, eugenicists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they, they're definitely never going to stop. If and uh, if they'd only practice what they preach on their own kind, and then the world would have less of a problem. But the, the fortunate matter or the fortunate um, the fortunate thing is that <laughs> I'm sorry for them getting distracted on these text messages. <laughs> Thanks, Lee. Thanks to our diligent board op for taking care of the show. <laughs> well, the the good thing about it is that uh, they have to stop somewhere. They, mm. they have to. They have, and the thing is that they can't win because they're fighting amongst themselves. Have you noticed, like? Uh, you know the, the, these cor these corrupt 
power figures, Obama and, and Netanyahu, did you check out what's been going on in their, their, their I guess, uh, the, the fight for uh, dominance, Dennis? I wasn't so much concerned about them. I'm more thinking in line, along the lines of what uh, Prince Albert of uh, England said. He said if he died, he would want to come back as a disease to help eliminate uh, the uh, overpopulation. Let me correct something for you, Prince. You are a disease. You already are there. You are a disease well, to mankind. Well, he's just uh, masquerading. Yeah. Oh, pr- Prince who? No, I've heard uh, some people have said it's Prince Charles. I've heard it was Prince Albert that made the original quote. I'm not sure who originally made it. Yeah, I think it was Prince Albert. Yeah, well, well why don't you Google that, Lee? Make it radio worthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, gosh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm easily distracted. I'm just so many things to, to discuss. Mm. Well, stop me if there's anything that you wanted to talk about, uh, Dennis, uh, on uh, maybe the health care issue, anything that you've seen uh, before I go any further? Well, actually, your original question about the, uh, the power plays, as it were, going on up there, I think it's clear that uh, Rahm Emanuel is the one who is the power broker there. He's the... Uh, CFR representative in the White House. He's the one always taken the. He's the glory hound, the one that is the, the ballerina, of the group, and I mean that literally. He was a ballerina. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or what do you call a male version thereof? I, I don't know. I've seen the photoshopped images. <laughs> They're quite I haven't seen those all. Though. <laughs> all I know is he served in the Israeli Defense Force back in the first. Uh, I think it was the first Gulf War. And uh, anybody that works for a foreign government. What is he doing in our government? Well, mm. do we really have a government anymore? And I'd say, no, we haven't had since the uh, 1800s. Actually, before that even. I, can, I might get into some of that later. Uh, well, let's Going back to the history of the money system. Yeah, and, and yeah, uh, this article you brought up here ties into that, too, that we'll talk about is the... Mm-hmm. The uh, this lady whose woman's house, uh, I'm sorry, my my bad woman's house mistakenly auctioned by bank, a homestead woman's home was auctioned to the highest bidder. This is a NBC Miami article on NBCMiami.com, and uh, you know, that actually made the Sludge Report. Oh, no, I'm in Drudge Report. Oh, that's I where I actually from. originally saw that article, and now then I saw it posted everywhere. It was actually a woman's home that was taken by the bank. Wachovia, I think it was. Walk all over you. There you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> that they do. So it's this poor woman was away for a few days, and she comes home and then finds somebody else at the front door and says, get off my property. And they're like, what are you doing? This is my house. I paid for it. Well, you know, and she, she was rightfully telling the guy the truth. Somehow or other, the bank had sold it to the guy. Yeah, my, my deed trumps your deed. Well, you yeah. know, that are kind of... Uh, Kind of sounds like um, Wachovia being a terrorist, uh, setting two people against each other and uh, uh, provoking each other here. What's this? Oh, he's okay. So, uh, yes, yeah, Philip. Prince Philip. There we go. Very radio worthy. Thanks, Lee. Print, uh, Lee just corrected us here, Prince Philip, uh, he, mm-hmm. in his uh, forward to if I were an animal. So, so, message to Prince Philip. Uh, my apologies to Prince Albert. Message to Prince Philip. You are the disease. You and your kind are the disease. And most of them are for these carbon credits and trying to tell us that we need to cut back, we need to do more with less. And you, you just brought up Rahm Emanuel and, and uh, his brother, Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel, 
he talks about livable years, and those who have more livable years uh, ahead of them are more worthy of treatment. And he's the chief uh, policy writer for the Obamacare, for Obama's uh, health care plan, such as it is, whatever it is, because it keeps mutating, just like they're trying to do to us. But <laughs> that's besides the point, is that uh, he's, he now come, Obama comes out and he says that he's basically, well, he doesn't say he is, but he's, so he's allowing the insurance companies to continue to rip us off by mandating insurance without, uh, just like, you can just look at what that did when we had that uh, with auto insurance. Well, Dr. Ezekiel Manuel has, has written that those who are more worthy of uh, treatment and uh, have more livable, livable years should be um, should be given the preference when it comes to, to treatment. And uh, and so um, he's he's actually written this in his policies, and you can see that in the, in the uh, what they call the death panels. I, I forgot the section. I covered it in the last uh, show. We can look that up. Uh, if anybody wants that section, I'll look that right up again because it's so uh, so important. But. Um, yeah, you know, did, did you hear about Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel? I was reading information about Rahm Emanuel, and uh, I, I did a Google search on him the other day, and it turns out his brother is a Hollywood... Um, Ari. Ari, yeah, he, he does something like a Hollywood, uh, what do you call it, when they search for talent. I think that's what it is. Or a producer yeah. or something. Yeah, the, uh, what do you call it, a talent, an agent. Uh, talent sorry. agent, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I, I heard somebody call uh, some a guest on. It was kind of amazed me that I heard a guest on a uh, on a, on WMNF yesterday, and on Radioactivity was the show, and uh, he was for the nine twelve movement. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, he was on there, saying, uh, telling the, the host Rob Lorai about Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel, although. Um, and forgive me, I can't remember the name of the guest, but like I say, he's a spokesman for the, for the 912 movement, and uh, which I, I know um, very little about and uh, can't say anything, uh, you know, whether I endorse it or not. But I, I, uh, I found it interesting that uh, I found his guest, first of all, very presentable and having his arguments uh, in, uh, in good order. And, and um, I wish he had remembered the, the first name of Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel, but uh, when he brought it up to Rob Lorai, it, it just amazed me. You know, someone who, who is so, in my eyes, so pro-Obamacare, um, whatever it is, <laughs> we have yet to find out. But, uh, you know, we do have H.R. 3200 uh, to go on and, and a Senate bill that's not as popular. But uh, the thing is that, um, not to get sidetracked, is that uh, Rob Lorai said, well, isn't Rahm Emanuel's brother... A, uh, a work in, doesn't he work in Hollywood? And, mm. and so, uh, yes, well, that's Ari Emanuel. But the thing is that uh, he, he tried to tell Rob Lorai the fact that there is this uh, Dr. Emanuel, who is Ram Emanuel's brother, is the chief of, mm -hmm. chief of state. Or, uh, uh, he's, what is that, uh, chief of staff. I'm sorry, I'm confusing with the State Department. And um, chief of staff, Ram Emanuel's brother. And, and so... He's writing this health care policy, talking about these things, and uh, I just find it astonishing that people who are so supportive of the health care bill know nothing about it, number one, and know nothing about those who wrote it. And then I'm, I, I hear on the, same, uh, on the same radio station, very um, 
the, the uh, Honorable uh, Mobili Ogum. He, I, very, I very much love his show, Critical Times, and he sat in for another show. And I bring up these figures because they're so influential. But uh, it, it just amazes me how easily led they are, admittedly, when he says that he hasn't read the bill. And then later on in the show, he says that those who are against the bill just don't like Obama because he's black. Oh, and then he corrects himself and says because he's half black. And not to be trifling, <laughs> but he's... Um, he's an Oreo. Some, <laughs> well, Apparently. I, he didn't... Uh, <laughs> I would go that far. But, uh, you know, he's very multicultural. And uh, and and the, I don't like the, the the fact that because somebody is is identified uh, as a racist because they don't like the bill and the, they don't like the cer- certain sections of it, hmm. and and for that to be said by somebody who knows nothing of the bill, and uh, and it, I think it's just intimidating. It's a chilling effect that you are going to be called racist. You're racist. You racist. Racist. Oh yes. Ra- and why don't you just use the N word while you're at it? Oh well. Uh, because um, I really kind of like you, and I, I don't want to be part of a system. I don't want to be an accomplice to your murder that uh, at the hands of a, of a eugenic system written by eugenicists. And, yeah, uh, I guess uh, 6% black is, is his heritage, but um, Lee, Lee just told me I didn't want to. Uh, but who's counting, <laughs> you know, I guess I would say. And uh, the thing is that, well, sure, I, I, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm talking with somebody who is uh, is fully, um, uh, I, and I guess the, the word is um, fully, um, uh, fully immersed in, in African uh, culture, uh, saying that those who are racist are doing it because he's black. And, and uh, I just want him to know that, well, this man who supposedly... Uh, well, if you're going to call someone a racist, you you should understand their point of view. And here I am, somebody who's trying to point out, look, he's he's for the us paying us funding abortions of black children and Orientals by signing on to UNESCO, and he did not go to the UN uh, a conference on racism. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he does have uh, his science czar, John Holdren who uh, wrote a book, co-wrote a book with, with Jane and Paul Ehrlich, who were also in the uh, former Bush administration, on eugenics and how to go about it. Well, don't you understand? It's not, it doesn't matter who gets put into office or what their ethnic background is. The important thing for all of us to understand and to accept, and we, you know, we're supposed to accept this, is that this is the guardian class that Socrates spoke about. I mean, mm. these are the people who are bred in other words, raised from birth and indoctrinated in the ways that they should take care of all of society. And obviously they must know better because, well, they just are. And how, how dare those of us in the lower classes question the guardian class? Because after all, they know more than us. They're, they're so much more enlightened. They're the deities. They're the deities. That's right. They are the gods of this age. And we are to bow before them. I don't think so. Big brother knows best. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you're a, just pushing that envelope, well, aren't you? you know, well, I say that because there are people who identify their power, uh, their power with their their power structure of the government, something outside themselves, whether it's government or their or their uh, material goods or whatever. You know, they, they can identify it to whatever degree, but something outside themselves, and to do that with a, the government that wants to kill you is um, it wants to kill you is. Um, 
slowly and uh, torturously as possible in many cases. <laughs> they don't want to kill us. They just want what's best for us, even if that's six feet under. Mm. Well, uh, yeah, it makes good compost if they I, I don't think they like us questioning them. Have you seen the uh, town hall meetings? Now they're calling anybody that dares to question the Guardian class. How could you dare do that? Don't you understand? These people love us. They care for us. No, they're scum. And they are doing whatever they want. And if you go and question them, well, then you must be a kook. Did you happen to catch... Uh, I don't know if anybody out there happened to catch the uh, footage of Barney the Frank from Massachusetts, my former home state. No, was it worth playing? Oh. On the, on the air? This woman was asking him a simple question about, oh, I forget the exact what it was. He had the chutzpah to say, ma'am, what, what planet are you from? I can't, I just can't speak with a lisp. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> I don't blame My compass you. points direct north. Sorry, guys. It's just the way it is. I don't think like Barney the Frank. Well, I and don't, I'm sure he's on lots of hard drugs. He just is deteriorating like so many of the politicians. And well, when you hear him speak, it's just sad listening to the way just the just the effeminate way he comes across in his voice. Yeah, it's just a little, disgusting. Little piggly wiggly up there, and he's just a, yeah. a porker up there, just thinking that he wields so much power. Well, he you know he, he's kind of pushed his way up there by you know the as you know the kind of blackmailing that uh, he would come out with lots of the dirt on the rest of the rest of them when he was caught uh, at that press conference um saying that uh, showing how he had a underage brothel of other young men there or I'm sorry not young men children so uh, you know <laughs> this is what we have running the uh, mm-hmm. um, the banking uh, committee yeah and after he got censured for that he goes on to the the house floor and basically reprimands everybody for even questioning his morals. <laughs> like, you have no morals, you piece of... Well, anyway. This is this is part of the reason I left that s- state, is just how mixed up it is. And then I go and I watch that on the... I think they covered it on the news last night, and they were basically poking fun at the woman. Uh, you know what it might have been? I was flipping through the channels, and it might have been those uh, alphabet channels covering... The results of uh, different town hall meetings, and they were basically poking fun at the woman for daring, daring to ask the questions. I'm like, wait a minute, the woman had a very coherent, logical question, and anybody with any respect for their constituents would say, ma'am, I may not agree, and you have a right to say that. But no, he comes out and basically tries to say, what planet are you from? I mean, oh. It's just the arrogance of these this guardian class. So what was her question? The specifics of her question I don't recall at the moment. But what I was bothered by more was his just rude treatment of this woman that was asking a legitimate question. And if you're not, if you're somebody, just the average Joe person in, in the street, and you care enough to go to a town hall meeting and want to ask a question of a political leader who is supposed to represent you, and that's mm-hmm. the way they treat you? Oh. Right yeah, there, they just don't care. Well, we had, uh, uh, if you caught the last show, oh, I forgot to give the numbers uh, this late into the show again. If you'd like to break on in and uh, talk about anything we've talked about so far, or, uh, add anything that's in the news that you think is of, uh, of interest, and uh, it could be uh, on this or any other topic that uh, you think is being underreported or not reported, you can reach us here in Pinellas County, 727-441-3000, 727-441-3000. 
toll free 866-826-1340. That's 866-10-1340. The website is theliberationstation.com. Theliberationstation.com is the new website. And uh, and we played a, on the last show um, representative, um, actually uh, would-be representative, purported alleged representative, Anthony Weiner, in, uh, who represents Queens in New York, and uh, and he was. Um, we played the clip where he wasn't. Uh, <laughs> either where he wasn't allowing in um, a uh, the CBS station because they uh, he, he at first uh, was saying that uh, we're not going to let you in. He had a representative say that. Then he went up to the cameras and said, "Okay, we'll let you in, but it's not about you. It's not about Channel Two. It's not about Channel Two. And there he was. There he was, um, just uh, you know, acting like the, the reporter was about to interrupt. He says, oh, "Let me finish," and the reporter just says, "Continue." And, and uh, Mr. Weiner just uh, says, "Oh, you know, I'll let you in." But uh, you know, here, here the thing is that this is the politician who is acting like, "How dare this this news agency with press credentials try to look out for the people?" Oh my God! You know, people might find out that there's legitimate op- opposition to whatever the fill-in-the-blank policy. In this case, it's healthcare, but or the health, whatever the, the proposal is. Again, the guardian class. Mm-hmm. Remember, they know more because they've been bred to know more, and we're just the peons in the bottom. We're the uh, what is the word? Well, basically, they the peasants, peasants, the, the slaves, the. The workers, the useless eaters, some, t- some would call us. Yeah, well, that's, that's one word. That was, I think, Stalin who used that word. At least he's reported to have used it first, at least in public. But, you know, th- these are people who are just such control, control freaks that the more we know what they're trying to do to us, mm-hmm. the more we can free ourselves. And, and we're not so enslaved anymore. If we can figure out what their plan is, and, and we can... You know, the, their sense of power uh, just deteriorates, and they, they become frantic, just like that, uh, that video I played or the audio you heard of uh, Representative Weiner. They, they get just uh, totally uh, frantic that they're about to lose their grasp on us or, and, and uh, their talons that they have sunk into us, so they're, we're plucking out and, you know, one by one. And, 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 <laughs> and uh, this, th- these control freaks, I mean, they're just le- left witless. Look at uh, Ron, uh, Ron Paul's questioning and other, others' questioning of uh, Ben Bernanke and, and Hank Paulson. They're just so terrified, not that they're going to lose what they have, but that they're going to lose their control. And, uh, and we have this advantage over them that, uh, you know, we, we know how to fight them. Um, we know how, that we have enemies, number one, and, uh, and we know to, to fight them by forgiving them, number one, and, and, but not trusting them, number two. And uh, that's the way we, I think we, we should go about it is to, is to feel love, but in some kind of, uh, you know, love, uh, unconditional love for who they are, but in the same way know that, that uh, this is how we can uh, undermine and under unravel their uh, intentions and uh, and uh, discover their symbology and their hidden messages also and you know as a, another part of that like uh, Michelle Obama's um, dress remember we, we talked about that on the inauguration I'll pull up the the image here for uh, for you Dennis but uh, yeah on, on her on the inauguration well she is she is a bit easy on the eye so you know by all means. Yeah, it, it takes attention away from from her face, definitely. 
But uh, on I the wonder, if, wonder if this representative Wiener is related at all to Michael Wiener. Savage. Yeah, I slipped up last week when I started to not give his name because I was thinking. Yeah. That's just, where he's uh, from. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. So uh, if you didn't see Obama, on the, I mean Michelle Obama on the inauguration, uh, let's see, do a, just do a Google here. I think it will come up, Obama inauguration dress, and there's the one. It's uh, It shows her, and I, I'm sorry for the webcam audience. Uh, uh, if you're online, you can uh, watch us anyway, so you can do a go- or you can see this anyway. Do a Google. So it looks like Whoopi Goldberg. Well, let's in just, the younger days. But uh, look at her dress. Doesn't that look like Black a, Widow? Yeah, Black Widow in the center. It's a, a black um, pattern, the black solid black pattern in the center. And doesn't that look like blood splatterings, kind of, sorta? Yeah. I mean, the rest of it, the red yeah. uh, that that makes the the Black Widow. Um, it's an inverted black widow with tapered off uh, blood splatters, and maybe I can find a closer-up version here to show you, Dennis. But uh, what? I'm, why am I bringing this up again? Do you think? Do you, why do you think I'm bringing this, be bringing up this this topic of somebody who looks like she's wearing a butcher's apron on her husband's uh, President Obama's inauguration day? Huh. Did you see the article about about her mother practicing Santeria in the White House? Say what? Santeria. You know, the, that's uh, supposedly the um, opposition to the black magic of voodoo. Santeria is the, is the white... Uh, let me look up a news article on it, see if there's any latest news. But uh, Barack is really upset about what's being cooked up in the spare bedroom there, in the guest bedroom in the White House. Did Yeah, you didn't hear that. It, it, it's a, a And Michelle's some of you out there think you have in-law problems. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, you know, makes me wonder, is it really a problem? Is it, you know, is this just a, a staged event? Oh, Obama's admonishing his, his uh, mother-in-law, his mother-in-law uh, for obviously good reason, in my opinion. But, uh, well, you know. from, from everything I know about the Guardian class, that's one thing that goes hand in hand with the Guardian classes. They tend to practice witchcraft of one form or another. Right. So I would say kudos to his mother-in-law for trying to counter it. The problem is you don't counter something evil with something else that's equally evil there is no such thing as good witchcraft if it's witchcraft it is by definition evil stay away from it in any form it's not a good thing there's no good witch bad witch if you, if the witchcraft is rightly condemned and has been for centuries there is no good or bad it's you're being used if you're practicing that don't go there don't go down that dark road. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I know you say that from a Christian perspective, and this is um, this is her practicing mm-hmm. uh, what I consider black magic. Uh, what I'll say uh, about I'll address what you just said first is that that uh, I uh, I would say that uh, there are well-intentioned Wiccans, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, people can open themselves up to spirit possession, and one should never do any form of that, like channeling. And, and that's my opinion as a yeah. as a f- practitioner of yoga or yogi. Um, and that's something that, uh, you know, from an Eastern religion, uh, I guess you might say, or someone might might label that. Well, yogi, the, the ranger wouldn't like that. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we yogis, you tend to stay to ourselves up in caves. But <laughs> it's but it's something that uh, you know. It's something that uh, more of like a um, internalized tradition uh, or spiritual discipline. And, and for some, in my opinion, in my experience, is that uh, Santeria 
And I, I know somebody who's extremely well-intentioned who practices it. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, I don't mean to imply that they're not good intention. Oh, right. I'm just I know. Saying what they're into, they they probably don't realize exactly. And and I think that uh, you know anything that draws blood, anything that takes energy, and that's obviously their written intentions. You know, their written uh, Council on Foreign Relations intentions. We just oh, talked yeah. about John Holdren and Doctor Ezekiel Emanuel's intentions. Well, anything that draws energy from somebody else, draws money from your pocketbook, draws you know your blood, sweat, and tears from you. That's your your rightful property. Your your labor is the the fruits of your labor. Labor are your property. And those cannot be taxed, according to many, many uh, Supreme Court precedents, and all the courts have ruled that. So that's something that um, you know, for, for in a in, in a roundabout in a in an all-encompassing way, uh, making the point that uh, here are people who just draw in ener- other people's energy. That's their spirit, and that's mm. where they're coming from. They'll you know they'll draw the life force uh, from they'll draw the blood from a, a chicken. That's what Santeria involves. Or, or some other animal, a goat on a more holy day, if they think that sacrifice is more is a more uh, is worthy. Like, is that like a Haitian voodoo kind of deal, or mm-hmm. something along that line? Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's practiced in Haiti, and okay, and uh, and it's a. They have also there's all sorts of things. It, it, it includes elements of uh, Christianity and Catholic. Well, I should say Catholicism, um, Mary, and and all these different uh, things that are incorporated. I mean, many religions incorporated to one degree or another elements of another, but uh, I just uh, need to bring this up that, uh, you know, what, what's this uh, Barack Obama's mother-in-law? I mean, uh, I mean, some people would call Barack a witch doctor, but her? I mean, <laughs> she's, she's bona fide. <laughs> God, that's incredible. Well, Hitler, first Hitlery, now her. No. Oh wait, did I say that loud? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Well, you know, Hitler was a. See, that's a, you bring up a great no, point. Hitlery. Oh, Hitlery. Right. Okay. No, you almost got me sidetracked there. I almost ran off at the mouth <laughs> on something else. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, on, I, on all the yeah, occultic. He was, a, he was into cult too. Uh-huh. Yeah. As yeah. were most world leaders of that day. Oh well, even now. But uh, yeah, a lot no, of people uh, would be surprised who. <laughs> No, let's not. Yeah, let's not go down. That's a whole. Well, sure we will. But uh, I, I wanted to uh, ask can I, you. Can, you... I, uh, can I throw something in here? Yeah. I, I just found out the strangest thing. Right. Uh, my uh, uncle was playing around on the internet. He shouldn't do that. He's he's over eighty, and uh, no, he's he's a, he's a, he's. Is he very, the very, too? very compass mentis. But he found something out about his grandfather that he wanted to share with the rest. I'm very proud to share with the rest of the family. It's a uh, newspaper articles. Uh, he. Not only did he own uh, a major paper factory in Detroit right at, at, uh, during during the early 1900s, he was also the high priest of the uh, of the local uh, Freemasons lodge. Interesting. Yeah, he was high priest. So I guess for each district they had a high priest at that time. So anyway, and uh, then I thought back about the family history, and there's all these tragic. I mean, his uh, paper factory burned down. So all these tragedies and deaths with his, within his family after that. And I started thinking about this. I said, hmm. oh, my gosh, you know. Just like the government, they can give it all to you, but they can take it all away. Yeah. Uh. And, uh, you know, I mean, no, the the uh, family would think, oh, wow, is that, see, this is just another, another star in our forehead, you know, that we can uh, brag about the accomplishments of our family. But... Um, 
Well, you know, Obama. Of course, was... I, I look at it from a different perspective. Huh. Yeah, gosh. Well, you know, you you found out about uh, the thirty third and above degrees, I guess. Uh, the hidden degrees. Well, you, Obama. I've heard of them. Obama was uh, invited to uh, have the invitation image. I think it was a fourth lock, or I can't remember which lodge it was. Uh, for his, after his inauguration, uh, there was a the uh, Washington D.C. lodge um, invited him for uh, some inauguration celebration. Well, if you remember when he remember he didn't take the uh, what do you call it the the thing correctly. Yeah, he had to, was, had to redo it. Yeah, who was our president between the time that he did it? Correctly? No, 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 he did. He redid. They they redid the uh, oath in front of a portrait of some really famous mason at the White House. It was uh, like an obscure hallway somewhere with the portrait of some masonic figure that was really important. I don't know if it was Albert Pike or what happened. Yeah, it was Albert Pike, right. Was it? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I, sure I remember the a, specifics. But yeah, I I'm pretty sure. Important. Gosh, you make me want to do another Google to verify that again. I'm pretty, pretty sure. Yeah, that, that's what, exactly right. Albert Pike, who wrote uh, wrote about the the coming three world wars and what, what else he wrote And whichever ones they want to cause. Right. Yeah, the Freemasonry ties into a lot of the stuff, but mm-hmm. it looks like uh, they may have been hijacked since they're Founding days or the founding fathers' days, they start, like Washington wrote about that they were being hijacked, and it looks like these infiltrators were coming in and right. carrying out their. Well, when they were hijacked, I I can't really say. I've heard different theories on that, but they definitely were hijacked way back in the day. But as far as when that day would be, I don't know. Sure, but he was definitely gradual. black magic type stuff. I think it was Albert Pike, but uh, yeah, forgive me if I'm wrong. I'll have to maybe we'll have to look that up during the break. But yeah, there he, there is Albert Pike's uh, statue right? stands in uh, D.C. Is it? I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he's just one bad dude, so that's why I'm bringing him up. Most people don't know how how awful he is. It seems like he made these predictions and uh, that are coming true, but they're obviously the uh, the they're making them come true. They made it. They're making it happen. Mm. But um, yeah, getting back to uh, Michelle Obama's, I uh, wanted to comment about about uh, Michelle Obama's mother um, in the in the uh, in the White House. I mean, you know, it kind of shows, doesn't it? Kind of show that times are tough, and and even you know, mother and mother-in-laws need She's to got to slaughter her own chickens. Well, that kind of explains all the disappearances in the White House organic Dig garden. the lawn yeah. or garden, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And the goats, too, started disappearing, so now we know why. Well, I just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always wanted to use that one thing, so I just said that right, right up. <laughs> no, it's just true. Just a yeah. lightning rod for silliness here. Uh, free-range chickens, unlike us people. <laughs> free-range chickens have more freedom than us, than us in our free speech zones during the campaign. <laughs> so Hoover had the phrase, a chicken in every pot, or Omar can have the phrase, a chicken in every sacrifice. <laughs> exactly. There we go. That's just the, trying to help the cause. That's the new White House. Uh, should be their new slogan or motto. <laughs> what did you just pull up there? Oh, yeah, all this about Albert Pike. And, you know, you mentioned... Uh, wait, 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 where's that? What, the bull? Where? What it steps is, are they taking that surfing? animal down? Oh, uh, looks like a very sedate bull. Oh, I shouldn't be surfing the web yeah. here. <laughs> but, um, you know... As the Ouroboros. I get so distracted. But, uh, you know, you, you talk about... We talk about Hitler 
and the occult and all these mm-hmm. all these guys are in the occult. Uh, all these world leaders are, are so much into the occult. Well, you know, they take symbols out of context or they take them and they invert them, mm-hmm. turn them upside down is what they do. Right. Or they take them out of their original meaning. Like the, uh, it's kind of funny when if somebody, most people don't know the, the uh, swastika or the, the suwastika is uh, Tibetan mm-hmm. and uh, the, the Aryan nation. Um, <laughs> I'm about to make fun of them, so uh, uh, take down the phone number if you have anything to to add to this. Uh, the Aryan Nation or the <laughs> racists, the white identity movement. Well, you know, if you want to be a separatist, stay, stay around uh, your own kind. That's fine by me. Just don't encourage people to hurt other people. Well, um, let me tell you all about the swastikas, uh, Far East history, but before I do, the phone number here in Pinellas is 727-441-3000 in Pinellas County, 727-441-3000. Toll-free, 866-826-1340. That's 866-TAN-1340. And the Altel free call is star-1340. That's a free call from your Altel cell phone. Uh, the website is theliberationstation.com. I'm your host, Chris Steiner, here in the studio with Dennis. And uh, just uh, just about to slam the uh, symbology of the Nazis here because those who use the, the uh, swastika, what that is is uh, Sanskrit for swastika, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, suwastika, S-U rather than S-W, and uh, it's Sanskrit meaning loosely translated, it means it is well, but uh, the swastika is actually, you when it uh, signifies it is well, it, it is uh, the way that the Nazis used it and the opposite swastika turning the other way, which is supposed to be the feminine, and the, the way the Nazis used it is the masculine um, symbol, or solar. it's a solar symbol, and uh, supposed to indicate like a, a spinning vortex. Um, but, uh, you know, it's commonly used in, in the Far East, in Tibet, and, and in India, but uh, it's not supposed to be enclosed. And that's how the Nazis used it on the flag, is they enclosed it in a circle, in a, or in a red field, Mm-hmm. Or they uh, they had it in a in a, in a wreath being held up by an eagle. But you, eagle you, have to understand, you have to understand in this symbol in, in the world of symbology, when you surround something with a circle. From what I understand, you're basically capturing the magic of that symbol. That's what that's all about. Mm-hmm. And the same thing if you look on there, you see the uh, the, the slithering snake, the Ouroboros. That's an old occult symbol as well. Uh-huh. As We're, are most of those that you're looking at there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, these evils. are free Masonic symbols that they use, oh, and, yeah. and uh, and they borrowed them, you know, from different different cultures, um, compiled them. Um, mm-hmm. Judaism is very uh, well known for having done that. Also, nothing, uh, nothing. I mean, uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm just trying to point out that the cultural history of this is so broad that uh, for mm-hmm. Nazis to use it and think that it's against black or brown or you know any colored person other than uh, white and and you're right about enclosing it like that it's a, the uh, the the male and the female swastikas uh, were to be used um, unenclosed and together but uh, not enclosed to to indicate unlimited possibilities so um, 
or limitless possibilities, whichever term you want to use. Right. So uh, that's uh, that, that's something that's uh, fascinating. That if a Tibetan were to say come in, or someone into Tibetan uh, pictograms, a uh, someone expert in, in Far East religion or theology and uh, such, uh, would be able to, or graphology c can understand the meanings of these symbols and go into uh, go in to warn the people. Like, look, you have this madman. He's he's planning to force you to um, go deploy to war and uh, you know you're gonna you're gonna get to knock up some chicks for the fatherland and they're gonna be their mass production uh, biological baby machines uh, and then you know this is our idea of, of masculinity this is the this is the way society is going to portray masculinity is war and uh, casual sex for the purpose of reproduction for the fatherland and and there you you go you have your freedom Nazis <laughs> I'm sorry but you know it's just it's incredible that they, that they continue to use they continue to be uh, misled into using symbols that they know nothing about and nothing about the, the history of and uh, they're rather enslaving themselves right so uh, and uh, we're about to finish up the hour here and we're just getting off into the the history of um, uh, of these uh, these racists for the just for the mere purpose to demonstrate that uh, if somebody were to say that I'm a racist, mm -hmm. that's why I wanted to encompass that in, in this hour, <laughs> is that this is a, this is a, this race baiting is something that's really got to stop, and it's, and it's something that's done, uh, you know, call me a race baiter, you could, you could call me a race baiter for bringing up the fact that, that uh, Michelle Obama's mother, Marion Robinson, is practicing Santa Rhea. And I find it highly disturbing that uh, if she's going to be killing chickens, killing animals, uh, practicing, she can do whatever she wants. But, you know, I mean, you PETA people ought to kind of complain about that. Uh, well, I know they do. I'm, I shouldn't fault them for that. But, you know. Wait a minute. I'm a member of PETA, but that's people eating tasty animals. So let's just clarify. Oh, that acronym. Well, that's different. Oh, well. I, I, it's I, different from I'm, the other PETA, which is something about animals. Well, why'd you Why'd you get me to make a donation when you misrepresented it last week? I'm gonna have to cancel that check. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know it happens. It was the yeah. uh, Madoff moment, you know. Gosh, I can't believe you. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I put all my all my hope in. Uh, uh, that's time. We have to find another better way to do a tax write off. You guys ever tried PETA bread? Peter bread is really good. Mm, well, from the peanut gallery here. It's the dry humor, the 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 peanut gallery. That would. Be <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Well, we're we're gonna talk in the next hour. Pick up on this health care issue. <laughs> right. And uh, a little history too. And we're gonna talk about uh, the the town hall protests uh, that are being so well received. Um, we're so well receiving the Obamacare message. Uh, <laughs> the people at them are not being very well received. So uh, this is Liberation Station, and if you'd like to call us, you can reach us in Pinellas County, 727-441-3000, toll-free, 866-826-1340. And uh, tell us if you have any horror stories with a medical care system. We'd like to get into that, too. We'll be right back.
This is Wayne Walton with the RedPillRadio.com. Our constitutional republic is under attack by globalist central bankers. During the Katrina tragedy, U.S. citizens were subjected to a gun roundup and a blockade of New Orleans. Unalienable rights given by God were suspended by the globalist George Bush. Oath Keepers is an association of currently serving military veterans and peace officers who will fulfill their oath to the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Go to OathKeepers.org to reaffirm your oath to the Constitution, not to tyrants. The Federal Reserve is the private banking cartel, which is in charge of the U.S. monetary system. Listen to Thomas Jefferson as he gives a warning of what this institution will give to the United States of America. If the American people ever allow private banks to control the issue of their currency, first by inflation, then by deflation, the banks, which grow up and around them, will deprive the people of all of their property until their children wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. Listen weekdays 9 to 10 for more details. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa, St. Petersburg, WDCF, Dade City, Zephyr Hills, and Wesley Chapel, and KLRG, Sheridan, Little Rock, Arkansas. CNN Radio, I'm Paul Chambers. The Libyan man convicted of bombing Pan Am Flight 103 two decades ago is a free man. Returning today to the North African nation, Bert Ammerman, who lost his brother in the bombing, says the Libyan is not worthy of such compassion. Absolutely horrendous, despicable, uh, immoral. Uh, this man is going home. Uh, he massacred 270 people, 259 people, 31,000 feet. And you talk about a compassionate hearing. Uh, no one with a common sense can agree with that. The Libyan suffered from terminal prostate cancer and was given a compassionate release. The $3 billion cash for clunkers program is winding down. CNNMoney.com's Peter Valdez de Pena says it's been good for the auto industry. General Motors has reopened some factories. Ford has reopened factories. I understand Toyota, Hyundai, other manufacturers have also uh, restarted some factories here in the United States to, to refill inventories of cars that were sold down on account of this. Uncle Sam says the program ends Monday, so make a deal fast. Former Homeland Security Secretary Tom Ridge says he successfully battled efforts by the Bush administration to raise the terror alert level just before the 2004 presidential vote. Murder charges filed today against a TV reality show contestant for the murder and mutilation of his swimsuit model wife. Brian Jenkins is an animal. Family friend and former boyfriend of Fiore Robert Hassman urges Jenkins family and friends who may be helping him hide out to turn him over. Fiore was strangled, her fingers and teeth removed, she was stuffed in a suitcase, then tossed in a dumpster. U.S. Marshal Thomas Hessian says a warrant is issued here in the U.S. Uh, we are preparing the paperwork to send to Canada, Canada to issue a warrant in Canada for him. CNN's Jim Roop reporting. The most trusted name in news, this is CNN Radio. Have you ever listened to a talk radio show and said, I could do that? Well, you're right. You can right here on the Tantalk Radio Network. Your Tantalk program will include a professional engineer to handle every technical aspect of your program, professional talk and recording studios, four telephone lines to take live call-ins and conduct live interviews, even the ability to do live remote broadcasts. Not only will your program be aired locally in Tampa Bay, you'll be streamed live worldwide across the Internet in audio and video. When you sign off, you'll receive an audio CD or MP3 copy of your program, which can be duplicated and distributed. In addition, you can archive and podcast this copy of your program on the Internet for download and playback. Ready to explore the exciting world of talk radio? Here's the next step. 
Hey, Tampa Bay, listen up. You can have a one-hour program on the Tantalk Radio Network for less than the cost of one 60-second announcement on many local radio stations. We will put your program on two stations in Tampa Bay, AM 1340 and AM 1350. The cost? Less than a 60-second announcement on many Tampa Bay stations. Get the facts by calling Lola Jean, the broadcast queen, at 727-510-7622. That's 727 area code 510-7622. Call 510-7622 now and reserve your Tan Talk Network program. Our guest is Shelly Jaffe, the manager of Peter Gillum's Nutrition Center at 533 Cleveland, here in downtown Clearwater. Shelly, what are some of the changes that are going to be coming to Peter Gillum's Nutrition Center at 533 Cleveland? We have fresh juices, uh, fresh blended smoothies, um, and salads, and mostly everything is organic as well. So. Wow, well, that's, that's quite a change. I mean, you always have sold the nutrition products, but now we're going to uh, a juice bar. Uh, and you said you're going to also have salads? We are. We're going to have uh, a base of baby organic greens, and you can either have mixed greens or uh, spinach. And we have uh, a number of different organic vegetable toppings, um, as well as no RBST, no hormone, um, blue cheese and feta cheese, and then also a, a selection of different nuts. And those toppings are only 50 cents, and you, know, you can build a, a beautiful organic natural salad, and then we also make our own salad dressings there. Um, for a very reasonable price. Peter Gillum Nutrition Center at 533 Cleveland, Corner Garden in downtown Clearwater. Uh, Check it out. I'm George with The Fuse Weekly News, live on Sunday nights at 9 on Tantalk 1340. George, you and I are men of the people, just like our sponsor, the Widow Browns in Largo on Seminole Boulevard, just north of Almerton. Visit the Widow Brown for their 99-cent a la carte breakfast. And don't eat fast food. Get the Widow Browns 579 lunch special with drink. Homemade food is so much better than fast food. Go to georgenation.com and The Fuse on Sunday nights at 9 for comedy and news. And the Widow Browns in the heart of Pinellas. Visit georgenation.com for more info. The Federal Reserve is the private banking cartel, which is in charge of the U.S. monetary system. Listen to Thomas Jefferson as he gives a warning of what this institution will give to the United States of America. If the American people ever allow private banks to control the issue of their currency, first by inflation, then by deflation, the banks, which grow up and around them, will deprive the people of all of their property until their children wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. Listen weekdays 9 to 10 for more details. This is Wayne Walton with the RedPillRadio.com. Our constitutional republic is under attack by globalist central bankers. During the Katrina tragedy, U.S. citizens were subjected to a gun roundup and a blockade of New Orleans. Unalienable rights given by God were suspended by the globalist George Bush. Oath Keepers is an association of currently serving military veterans and peace officers who will fulfill their oath to the Constitution against all enemies foreign and domestic. Go to OathKeepers.org to reaffirm your oath to the Constitution, not to tyrants. This is Wayne Walton with the RedPillRadio.com. Our constitutional republic is under attack by globalist central bankers. During the Katrina tragedy, U.S. citizens were subjected to a gun roundup and a blockade of New Orleans. Unalienable rights given by God were suspended by the globalist George Bush. Oath Keepers is an association of currently serving military veterans and peace officers who will fulfill their oath to the Constitution against all enemies foreign and domestic. Go to OathKeepers.org to reaffirm your oath to the Constitution, not to tyrants. Every day, when I look in my own face, I'm tired of all this pain. 
This is Chris Snyder on Liberation Station, and uh, you can reach us in Pinellas County, 727-441-3000, toll-free, 866-826-1340, that's 866-10-1340, and uh, the Altel free call for Altel cell phone customers is star 1340. Uh, The website is theliberationstation.com, and we're joined today with, tonight with Dennis, Hello. Hey, Dennis. Thanks for joining us again. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the uh, health care issue, the uh, insurance um, hmm, reform debate or the health care reform debate, whatever the uh, whatever debate they want to call it these days. Which bill do you refer to? The six in the House or the two or three in the Senate? Well, that's a good question. Yeah. Whichever one makes it out of committee first. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, you know, different people's proposals and they're not jiving with each other because they're not talking to or communicating with each other. And, and that's why I guess there's that misconception and the misreporting or misinformation. don't know if it's actual disinformation, meaning it's, I don't know if whether it's intentional, but uh, I know that there's a lot of misinformation that there is no plan. Well, there are plans and there are people talk, you know, that are in black and white and, there, and then there are proposals, people talking about their plan and uh, like uh, Obama, for example, uh, Talking about how his cha- his plan is changing, and uh, oh, f- first it's single payer during the campaign, and then it's uh, last week as I covered a CNN article that uh, he's saying no, it's never going to be single payer, it's never going to devolve into that. That's what the the uh, people on well on the uh, those who claim to be Republicans or right wing or uh, even libertarians on the radio, those commentators on the radio who are against it saying that it's going to evolve into single payer. And, and then there are those who are in support of Obama's plan, no matter what it is. <laughs> and, uh, and they'll say that, yes, it's going to evolve into single payer. And so they're both agreeing. And we have a lot of crosstalk going on saying uh, that uh, it's going to involve, uh, it's going to devolve in whatever, uh, develop into single payer. And then Obama says, no, it's not. Don't even think about it. Uh, I suspect that the Canadians are going to continue to be uh, dragged into this debate. So um, now uh, we have no idea what it's going to involve. Could it involve uh, forced procedures? Could it most likely, I say yes, uh, of course. And is it going to involve well, not less choice. Is it going to mean that we're going to uh, not have our, our choice of doctors and doctors go to jail or have their licenses revoked or uh, patients go to jail for choosing a doctor outside of their network? Uh, you, you look at what happened when uh, when we had the uh, had uh, auto insurance forced on us, and what happened with auto insurance is that all the companies got involved in all the insur- auto insurance companies got involved in price rigging they just said hey somebody's going to have to get insurance from one of us so let's just jack up our prices and lower our our uh, uh, coverage uh, raise our deductibles and 
and look at it now. So uh, if you think that health insurance is a good idea, then mandated uh, car insurance is a good idea, then, uh, I mean, if you think health insurance, mandated health insurance is a good idea, then look at what happened with mandated auto insurance. And that's not something that people are saying they have a right to. Well, we have a right to health care. Yeah, you have a right to health care, but I have a right to uh, provide it to myself first and provide it to my friends and relatives second and provide it to whoever else third. But if I choose to not provide health care to somebody because uh, the fruits of my labor, my own property, and besides the current health care system that you're asking for would kill you, I'm going to say no. And uh, does that make me a racist? No, it makes me somebody who cares about uh, my fellow countrymen, that there's strength in numbers. And uh, I have a right to be wrong if you think that I'm cold-hearted. Uh, I don't like the idea of, of uh, uh, sharing you know, my, my, the wealth that, that I've experienced, what little there is, and with other people. And, and they're telling us to do more with less. Well, uh, you know, they're killing us by the tens of thousands uh, with um, there's just a, an article um, in the Atlantic Monthly in the September issue where a doctor is going around and uh, and he's trying to expose or he's trying to prevent tens of thousands of of deaths that take place across this country each year from hospital acquired infections from these uh, antibiotic resistant bacteria that are bred that are that are come up from the primordial soup that are that is hospitals they're bred there because uh, the the antibiotics is uh is this on the health uh, i'm sorry dennis uh, no, no, is I'm this sorry. okay we'll we'll get to that in a moment yeah, i just want to make sure moment. it's where i needed to be and uh and we have these antibiotic resistant bacteria that are being bred in the hospitals because of the prophylactic or a pre preventative preemptive strike use of antibiotics that uh when the uh, bacteria, the target bacteria, survive. The the few that do, are tolerant or antibiotic resistant, and so there are about five or six major antibiotic resistant bacteria running rampant through hospitals that could be avoided, as this doctor in the Atlantic Monthly points out to hospitals if there were just simple sterile technique observed, washing of hands between seeing patients, whether a doctor or a nurse see a patient, they need to wash their hands, and the patient these day, days needs to make sure. Because this uh, doctor, as this doctor found, the uh, hospitals aren't interested in adopting a, uh, a policy of, uh, of, sterile to, of uh, astringent sterile technique because, um, well, it, it doesn't cost them too much, but uh, hey, you know, the cost benefit that they reap from not washing their hands, the sickness and the suffering and the, the over 100,000 deaths as reported by the Atlantic Monthly in September 2009 issue just reported is, uh, is, is our, it could be our downfall. So people demanding health care that they be allowed to uh, have an elective procedure like an abortion funded by me, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, there's some good things in, in uh, H.R. 3200 I've seen, like uh, doctors not being allowed to invest in, in their own interests, things that they prescribe and such like that. Well, okay, I can understand that. Uh, there are good things in it, but uh, the, the bad outweigh the good. And, and, uh, and 
the uh, medical system is is uh, killing us all the way it is right now, not even uh, not allowing us to uh, treat ourselves with with our own uh, remedies and therapies or import them and. Um, we have to import some of them from, for example, hemp seed oil has to is very therapeutic, has to be imported from Canada. Um, why can't we grow it here? It's the only land foliage that has the correct uh, balance um, for humans of uh, essential fatty acids of the omega-3, 6, and 9s. Uh, we have uh, ozone that cures many things, uh, I believe, in my studied opinion. Um, I can't say that for a fact, but all the clinical studies throughout history show that it's it's very effective, and uh, these are things that uh, we can we aren't allowed to use on ourselves, let alone have a doctor treat us, which uh, would be preferable. You know, I was just talking to uh, uh, somebody last weekend. Uh, sorry, I'll fix the mic. I was just talking to somebody last weekend, and they were telling me they are suffering periodically from MRSA. So I says, "Well, how come we don't use oregano oil?" You had that deer in the headlight look, and I'm like, okay. So yeah, like I gave him a basic rundown. Or who are you? What kind of a miracle yeah. worker? Well, I, I made sure I pointed out that you know, 100 years ago, doctors knew the difference between that little joint on your arm, the elbow, and the uh, posterior. Now today's doctors really don't know the difference, um, and they knew that they could use natural herbs and spices to to remedy and cure problems. Whereas today, oh nope, got to go to the pharmaceutical. That might have a little bit of olerin, or I think that's... Oleuropin. Oleuropin. Yeah, olive leaf extract. Or um, mm -hmm. what's the one from uh, oregano? You know, they, they might have a little bit of that constituent element in there in the concoction, but it's certainly not going to fix the problem like the natural herb or spice would. So this yeah. person I was talking to, I told him, you know, basically go, go down to... Of a reliable store and purchase some oil of oregano and uh, that'll help get rid of the MRSA and you take it under your tongue a couple drops in the morning and the evening and that should help get rid of it and he's like mm -hmm. oh, thanks you know and I gave him a whole list of some other ones you can use too for other purposes but it's amazing how people okay. are so dependent on the doctors for stuff that you look if their idea of healthcare is shove something foreign into your body that even the animals know enough to stay away from. But for some reason, they've convinced us people to take this poison, be it a vaccine or, quote, medicines that they come up with, which is basically chemical concoctions, and they convinced human beings to take well, this Well, they convinced us because, the, like, the vaccinations, if it's covered by insurance, then it must be good, so let your insurance pay for it. Oh, it's so much cheaper. They're, go be up on my shots now. <laughs> but on the positive side, it's amazing to me how many people I'm talking to that seem to be becoming awake to the fact that this this flu, so-called flu pandemic, is just a hype. It's a it's a bunch of garbage. And I think we're at a we're at a precipice here, a breaking point where mm -hmm. they're either going to try and force people in society around the world to take this shot, or they're going to give up on it and try something else. And quite frankly, I think they've already released something into the air. That's a binary compound, and you know, meaning that there's two components to it. One is in the air, and everybody's already breathed it in. They've been spraying that from the airplanes for a long time, and I think the second part would be delivered by some other means. The question is mm -hmm. what means and when, but I think that's the backup plan. I think. You're saying like a two-shot, one-two punch. That, yeah. Uh, 
the first thing is the is the primer, but it doesn't kill right. you. It may weaken you, but the second one is the one that interacts with your, your right. the first one or the conditions that the first one sets up and mm-hmm. and your body, and then uh, it sets the stage for a quick kill. Right, and it sits there in your body, seemingly innocuous, and you, maybe you'll get a cold or something, and you think, oh well, I get those all the time. You get over it, mm-hmm. but you don't stop to think, well, it's still in your bloodstream or in your fat cells or whatever. And then you have the second component come in and to get together yeah. and do a real nasty job on you. Oh, yeah. They do tests on people and their fat cells and find most people are just laden with heavy metals. Of course, that's what they're spraying mm-hmm. on us. Um, there's there's a, a, a Dr. Carol Roberts, um, alternative doctor locally here, who uh, says that uh, she has a show, by the way, on uh, WMNF. Mm. And... Uh, She's on uh, alternating Mondays every other Monday from uh, on radioactivity from 1 to 2. And uh, mm-hmm. she alternates every other Monday with uh, the other show, Sustainable Living, another great show. And uh, Dr. Carol Roberts says that uh, she, I believe it was she, I, can't, I don't want to put any words in, uh, words in anybody's mouth. It was either she or uh, another doctor on her show, or her, her quoting another doctor, <laughs> saying that uh, out of all the people that they've tested, everybody has heavy metal toxicity, toxic mm-hmm. levels of heavy metals, except for those who are on wheatgrass juice. And I thought, great, well, that's another good reason to, to grow your own medicine and mm. grow your own food that way. That way you can uh, be like um, have your own uh, multivitamin detox cocktail ready to go if you keep up on your wheatgrass. You know what? I'm going to have to break down one of these days and buy a juicer. I Just uh, all it takes, it's pretty simple, folks. Uh, it, it, just get a meat, gr- uh, meat grinder and uh, go online to learn how to grow wheatgrass juice. Uh, there's the Hippocrates Institute that has books uh, like by Ann Wigmore, um, Be Your Own Doctor, The Sprouting Book, The Wheatgrass Book. Um, books by Victoris Kolvinskis, uh, like Survival into the 20th Century is a great one, uh, that they talk all about the live foods and foods and how they're um, so healing, therapeutic. And, uh, and so all it takes is, you know, just a little bit of soil, about seven to 10 days to grow uh, wheatgrass on, on a flat inside a bag. Essentially, uh, these books will tell you, or you can go online to do a search on how to grow wheatgrass, mix your own soil, um, tend to them very briefly each day and uh, once a day or maybe every other day. Um, and uh, I found a good little tip for growing mine, by the way. I, I got from the Power Hour a little personal battery-powered air ionizer, and I put that in the bags for about five minutes. Uh, the bag that the, the plants are growing in uh, for about five minutes each day, so that ozone kills the mold that uh, inevitably grows around the roots. So that's something I was that, wondering about that. Yeah, it's excellent. It's really revolutionized my wheatgrass growing. Because you do have to uh, spray down the roots with a spray bottle, you have to spray down the um, the mold that will inevitably form on the roots, but that's not the part of the plant that you'll be uh, harvesting or drinking from anyway. Just take the wheatgrass and feed it through a meat grinder, and you'll ha- or feed it through twice, actually. Take the pulp, and a second time you'll get some more juice. And uh, when you grow your own wheatgrass, that way... Um, if you if you grow your own wheatgrass or uh, if you get it in soil from the health store, you can uh, have two or three cuttings of it. So about a week later, you can have a second cutting, and a, about a week after that, you can have a third cutting, and by that, it's usually spent, and you have to plant some more. Hmm. So it's a, a really good uh, 
first step, I guess, uh, in, in uh, regaining your health and detoxifying. But yeah, the, the, you're talking about binary attacks and uh, these things in the air. A lot of them we can uh, detoxify from. Yeah. And uh, and I believe that's true from uh, a lot of things. And and you mentioned olive leaf extract, uh, oliuropin. Um, that's uh, an amazing antiviral, antibacterial, antiseptic. Uh, you just have to have it right there. Yeah, I, I took some notes um, that there's uh, there's actually a patent on it. Um, yeah, oliuropin is even anti-HIV. Uh, so that people say that there's no cure to AIDS. Well, um, pardon me, there's a patent here. Um, uh, gosh, six four five five zero seven zero. That is six four five five zero seven zero, and you can check that out at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, USPTO.gov. And uh, there's also another related patent that uh, the, is the extraction process for the olive leaf extract. That's patent number five seven one four one five zero. Now, is that different from olive oil for the uh, listeners out there? Olive sure. leaf versus olive oil? I don't know what, how, effective, uh, how effective that would be. Um, but uh, the oliuropin is the uh, olive leaf extract that, uh, that this, uh, that's been tested here. And it's, um, anti- like I said, antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal, antispore forming. Uh, fungus forms from spores, so uh, it, it prevents it spores from forming. And uh, it also uh, kills uh, anaerobic and harmful aerobic bacteria. It kills influenza, the, both strains of the influenza virus, A and B. And uh, all viri, all viruses against which it has yet been tested, even, um, it even kills uh, the anthrax bacteria, or anthrax spores, uh, MRSA, and... Um, uh, let's see, what are the, and even some of the strains that uh, oregano oil might not kill. Uh, oregano oil and lemongrass oil and uh, olive leaf mm-hmm. extract are really good starts, are really good uh, things that you want to, people might want to look at if they have MRSA um, or any anti, antibiotic resistant bacteria. Um, but uh, of course, these are not covered by insurance as, as they ought to be. And, um, and do, do you know, would you want to do a show sometime soon, Dennis, on uh, on the um, Codex, Codex uh, Elementarius coming yeah, into effect? Yeah, that's, that's a scary topic of them by itself. I mean, the, what they're trying to do there. Ooh. They're trying to get rid of all supplements and uh, prevent us from uh, obtaining anything as a... As even if it's a food supplement, basically, how would how, how would you describe it? Is something that um, wants to label? Are they trying to just slap a broad label on any kind of uh, supplement, food supplement, or, or uh, otherwise saying that um, you, know, you can't base it and you can't label it? That's where they start. They're going from there. That's they're starting off with that assumption. I mean, if you can try to imagine them trying to take anything and everything that's good for us and then take it away from us and then in the same effort they're going to try and force us to take all the stuff that's absolutely absolutely bad for us but um we'll get rid of the out with the good and with the well what they're huh? trying what they're really trying to do is trying to return us to the the surf the surf master um um, society that they had in the Middle Ages. They're trying to take away our food. 
Well, no. What the, remember, remember that in the Middle Ages, as well as um, it was um, either Cecil Rhodes or Milne from the 1800s, they did some studies on exactly how much nutrition a person needed for a day's work. And what they did is they they would they didn't do these in the United States per se. They did them over in Africa and Australia. And what they did is they came up with the approach that they would make certain the slaves had just enough nutrition to do the day's work, but then were too weak at the end of the day to try and escape. Oh, that's the origin of the uh, U.S. ridiculous daily allowance, the RDA. <laughs> exactly. And that's why. But they had already understood that uh, people would have bare subsistence levels. That's how people lived in the um, Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, as they called it. But remember, that whole construct, that way of living in society where you had, you survived on subsistence level, and the lords of the manor took all of the good foods, because you didn't own property. You were just mm-hmm. a, you were a peon. You were a slave. You lived off the land, and you had just enough to survive. And if the master came and wanted your daughter, he'd come and take her. If he wanted your son, he'd come and take him. And what could you do? Because you're just a slave or a serf. You know, it, was, it sounds more pleasant if you called somebody a serf than just a slave. But that's what they were. And remember, white slavery was just as prominent as the... Uh, the black slavery. Well, the indentured servitude was at least as prevalent, but who's counting? That's the you know. I know. Uh, it's <laughs> not, it's, well, see, it's not politically correct yeah, to mention that there were others, but voluntary that's the slaves. Dirty truth. Yeah. Like I, like we said like I said earlier, we'd make great pets. I mean, right. I think that's the title of the song too. But well, at the end of the eighteen hundreds, they had already realized at that time that slavery, as it as it was in the United States, where they had the the uh, the African slaves brought over, was already waning. I mean. It was already on its way out. The The cotton gin, invention of the cotton gin, pretty much did in the whole concept of slavery. I mean, it was already starting to fall apart at that point. And so this this need for all these extra bodies to do the manual labor was just starting to be less and less each year. So the whole idea of slavery was already a dead issue. The Civil War was not fought over slaves. It was fought. It was the second American Revolution against the banksters. And everybody forgets that because history doesn't want to report that. But that's the truth. The first American Revolution, I guess we've veered into Mm -hmm. history now. Well, right. Ben Franklin's memoirs we've talked about before and how uh, he said that it had not been for all the... uh, (laughs) Oh, gosh, the debasement of the money. Right. Yeah, you tell the story. Well, okay. Um... Ladies and gentlemen, um, there's another talk show out there by the man by a man I've I've come to respect recently. His his uh, radio show is Crash. Are you ready? It's on the GCN network. The man's name is George Whitehurst Berry. Uh, lately, he in fact probably for the last six months to a year, he's been doing a, a show on um, money as debt and debt slavery. And he's been reading from a book by a man long since passed away by the name of Cornelius Carl Veith. That's the author. And the book is uh, Citadels in Chaos. And he goes into, I mean, he's basically reading a lot of this man's book on the air. I mean, it's out of print. I mean, you can, you know, you'll be hard pressed to find a copy of that book, but you might find some excerpts of it on the internet. And when you understand the real history, not as it was taught to us in school, 
but what really happened, meaning what was the real cause of the revolution, it was the, the cause of the American Revolution was not that they slapped extra taxes on us. It was that they forced the American colonists to give up the script that they were using between the colonies, and they made them, the Bank of England made the colonists pay for everything in gold and silver. But the means of exchange between the colonies was script, paper script. It was a, a barter, something above a barter system, but it was basically, you know, you had... It was a, their commerce, and they were trying to break down or divide and conquer the people, and because, you know, people are doing business with each other, they're building relationships, and right. that's, what the, that's the same strategy as today, debasing our money, well, what essentially. Well, what they're trying to do today is essentially they've come full circle in, in their eyes. And Alan Watt has presented a lot of this information. Basically, in the Middle Ages, the people who wanted to have control of the world realized that they were not going to achieve that end, worldwide control, if they had continued in the the serf uh, slave the slave master way of society, they had to create an economic engine from which they could then fund an expansion and new a new country. Or as uh, what was his name, the book The New Atlantis, Sir Francis Bacon mm. came up with the book. He wrote the book, The New Atlantis, and he wrote probably five or seven other books. Very prophetic. Well, what it was, was at the time, and even now it's looked upon as science fiction for the day, but what it was, was a book in which he presented the concept of a new country to be created across the waves over there, basically meaning here, what we became known as the United States. I mean, this was written in the 1500s, and what happens in the late... What happened in the late 1400s, 1492, Columbus sails the ocean blue? Well, if you go back far enough, Emirago Vespucci was actually an agent of the the Italian family there, uh, the Medici family. And it, he was a agent of the banksters of his day. He went, verified the, the land locations, got the maps drawn, and the next agent of the banksters was Columbus, who worked for the banksters of his day. Everybody thinks this is all new. No, these people have been doing this for centuries. The United States was set up to fund the next step. Well, they're pretty much done with that next step. And while they had us, that is to say the United States, us, you know, it's a little Masonic, a little wave of the hat to us there. What they set us up for was at the economic engine that would then fund the next step. The next step being China and Russia, where they would practice the slave societies. Those experiments have been completed and successful. Mm -hmm. Now they're ready to, okay, we're done with the United States, where do we go next? Well, they've already set up the next base of operation over China. So everybody's wondering, why is all these Chinese banks buying stuff up? No, it's a transfer of assets. Yeah, why are they taking? Why are we giving them our technology, our Merv rocket technology? Yeah. Why are the Clintons and then the Bushes doing this? Bush uh, Senior and Bush Junior doing the same thing? I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't know if Senior did. Uh, Bush Junior did even worse. He, he. Uh, oh gosh, I, I'd have to. We'd have to go into that another time. But uh, just to be an equal opportunity. Are you talking him. about Bush Senior, the guy who had, uh, who used to name all of his ships the Barbara? 
I didn't know that. Bush Senior. Oh yes. Look up. Was it? I think it was uh, the oil company had Zapotle or Zapote. Oh, there's a major connection between Bush Senior and the assassination of Kennedy and the Bay of Pigs invasion. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There's well, a you start JFK to understand the Bush connection. That's a great documentary. Oh JFK yeah, JFK to the Bush connection. Yeah, he, oh, definitely. But oh gosh, we can just talk about that forever. We can go off on a real tangent there. But so Barbara was basically the wore the pants. Well, when you start <laughs> to look at the Bay of Pigs invasion and you start to realize that one of the ships was named the Barbara. And the parent company was owned by Bush, Senior, mm-hmm. like an oil kind of, company through you know through seconds secondary agents. But basically, when you track it back, you start to realize, wait a minute, on the board of directors is this guy by the name of George Bush Senior, huh? Hmm. Yeah. Was, I guess that's just coincidence, right? The, yeah, the whole they thought it <clears throat> meant to. They thought it was going to go on his yacht, I guess, and then they said, "Oh well, it already is on his yacht." Right. And no, it's uh, not conspiracy radio. It's agenda radio. <laughs> We're exposing their agenda, exactly. not their conspiracy. There's we'll, too many people involved for this to just be a conspiracy. This is an agenda. Well, it's an egotistical agenda because look at the others that have had, like, a Condi Rice had a Exxon liner named after her, and then they took it off. <laughs> they changed it again. But really? Yeah. Yeah, well, she had her own. No, and then they have, a, uh, what is it, Dick Cheney High School or something like that. I mean, these people are having, mm-hmm. and all, all sorts of other lower-level politicians having their their names emblazoned on things uh, even before their, their well, earthly demise. <laughs> well, again, they're just the modern agent provocateurs of the banksters, just like way back in the day, Ben Franklin was an agent provocateur of the Bank of England. Why do you think yeah. he spent so much time in Europe? Comes back over here and he, about that. And, well, okay, let's go back to the cause of the American Revolution. Everybody says, well, the British forced us to do this, the British, for, you know, and they forced our hand. Well, no, if you track it back and you start to realize King George at the time was probably our best friend because he really wasn't that obscene. It was the banksters who were doing far worse to us than King George. And in reality, it was the banksters, the the agents of the uh, Rothschilds at the time, oh. who went to King George and said, "Look, I will f- we will fund your efforts over there, and we will provide for you soldiers." But you, you know, they had already arranged to German soldiers uh, at a rate of fifty cents a day. That was their agreed pay. They the made, Hessians. The Hessians. They made King George pay for them a dollar a day, so they're already making a profit right there. Yeah, uh-huh. there's a fractional <laughs> hand over fist kind of fractional system there. Yeah, they're they're basically charging him, and he had to pay all the expenses in addition to all that for whatever cost of ships, what have you. So the British Treasury had to cough up that money. In addition, when what they ordered King George to do says, well, for our for our assistance, you will tell the colonists that they cannot pay for things in script. They must use gold and silver. And then what you had... Oh, it's hard to follow all this because it's been so long. What ended up happening is the tax, the, the, the tax that caused the Tea Party in Boston, it was, it was a revolt against the whole concept of having to pay. And it's not the tax itself. The, the, even Franklin wrote that the colonists would have gladly bore up under a tax, but having to pay for it in gold and silver was what drove them over the edge. Because 
now it's going to cost them so much more where they were they were actually getting ahead of the game and succeeding and becoming very wealthy using the script but when they had to pay for it in gold and silver well now we've got to find a means of exchange codify that it just started to cost more and more yeah, it was nothing really about the tea, and tea had nothing to do with it. That was just symbolic, and that's what they're—that's what we're taught in the history books. Is that oh gosh, they cared so much about their tea. Oh, they were gluttons just like us. They—they they cared about their their palate more than anything. You know? Well, and to be quite frank, the the people, some of the people that were at the Black Dragon, and and anybody goes to, through Boston. If you've spent any time in Boston, you'll know there's. You're going to find a mixed crowd. There's going to be some people that just, hey, I'm tired of being pushed around, where there's others that are just pushing those people on and egging them on to do bad things. And that's pretty much what ended up happening with the Tea Party. It was actually a bunch of people who were fed up. And then you had those agent provocateurs of the bank trying to force the events. Well, if you go back and you track to uh, Lexington Green, the first confrontation between the American troops or the American regulars with the colonists and they were organized militia they were called to arms and all they were going to do and they held their ranks at the conquered green okay mm-hmm. but the British regulars broke ranks because the British regulars that were sent there were the Hessians the British troops had already been asked if you had to, would you quell a rebellion in the colonies? And they said, we're not going to fire on our troops. Those are our cousins, our brothers, our sisters. You know, we're not going to fire on them. That's when the Rothschilds came up with the idea and promoted it to King George. Well, we'll give you these other troops. And they basically forced the situation. They forced the hand of the people. They, they put people there who would fire on the American mm-hmm. colonists, meaning Foreign the Hessians. Mm-hmm. They made certain they placed them in... And once the battling, once the firing started, it didn't matter who fired first. You've got a battle. Okay, all bets are off at that point. And anybody in a situation where, okay, like in the Civil War, you know, the war between the states, very similar events happened. You had people who fired first. Well, at first you wouldn't have the Americans north or south firing on each other. So agent provocateurs were called upon and created that whole situation. Um once the battling started, though, the South was actually doing a lot better than the North. The North won by sheer number and better armament. And the fact that we could just continuously, uh, the North could continuously resupply. Yeah, speak for yourself, Yank. <laughs> well, you <laughs> get to remember, I grew up I grew up in New England. So, I, you know, I Civil War battle sites, we don't have those around here. Yeah, we have this wonderful <laughs> ship called the Constitution, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. But yeah battle you know, sites, I come down here for that. I have no resentment at all. I'm just playing it off like one of the hicks around here. <laughs> well, okay, so you grew up down here. Fine. but Yeah, yeah. since I was about three or four years old, uh, definitely. But uh, yeah, isn't that strange? Most people would think them. Ask me if I'm from elsewhere, California or up north. But see, a lot of people, you grow up and you have this whole idea of history presented to you. Like, this is what really happened. And then you get older and you start to realize, oh, wait a minute, that's... No, it, just by knowing how people would act around each other, you you have to start saying, well, wait a minute, that if I had been in the, if put yourself in the situation, would you have done those events? Well, no, it can't be that way. 
when you read more obscure documents, you start to realize, okay, somebody rewrote this so that we would think that that happened. And when you go back and you track some of the history books in the 1800s, and if you ever have the opportunity, go to some of these old libraries, folks, and check out these old books. Because when I was in high school, we had uh, some old books that I had to go, a chance to go and enjoy read. And, I mean, stuff that you would never have thought to pick up. But, I mean, I, I was uh, interesting, interested in a historical topic, and I ended up finding some very rare books that were written in the uh either 17 or 1800s, and I was the only person to borrow them 100 years. So, and my town library actually let you borrow those books. Well, I went back a couple of years ago, and those books are now in the rare book room, and they don't mm-hmm. circulate. I'm like, oh, darn, I was so looking All forward to borrow them again. I, look, I looked up the titles. And so what did they teach, these, uh, these old uh, curriculum for, for schools? No, no, what I'm, I mean in general, if you have the opportunity to look up these old books, the way they wrote, how they wrote... The way they presented a topic is very different from what we have today. In addition, in certain cases, you'll find a really different perspective of history. Events are presented differently than they were rewritten over the centuries or over the years to, for what we have today. Exactly, and they, they, won't, they don't want us to see that they're the ones who rewrote it or the disinformation agents who are pulling the same scam on us one more time. And uh, well, it was like it was like uh, I was telling. That person that I talked about with about the Mercer over the weekend, it's like, if you stop and think about it, when Rockefeller, the original snake oil salesman mm. in the United States, <laughs> when he, that's what he did. Well, that snake was, oil wasn't that bad, unless if you know it was in it. If, but if it, it was genuine snake oil, if it was genuine snake oil, it could have been something you could use for cooking. Okay, fine. But trying to make it Brave out to be it. this cure all for everything. There's no no way to test it out there in the no. in the wild west. I'm sure. But but in addition to that, I mean, and don't forget to. Uh, he was in the uh, Guardian class, and he knew that. And, and even Nero wrote about. Nero wrote a book. And a lot of people don't realize this, but Nero wrote a book about how to control society. Back in Egypt, and he was of the same Guardian class that Socrates was, and that goes back even to Egypt. And they all knew how to steer society by steering psychologically and emotional controls over people. Well, mm-hmm. when the Rockefeller, the snake oil salesman that he was. What he did in the United States is he took over the medical industry. He co- he got together with some others that became Dow Chemical and some other uh, manufacturers of uh, what we now call pharmaceuticals, but back then they were chemical companies. And what they decided is, that, look, you young people, you want to be doctors. Well, we'll fund your education if when you come out of school, you'll start promoting our products as the cure. Become a drug rep. So mm-hmm. within... Two gener- within two generations, you had a complete change in society from people who understood that, okay, these doctors are going to come to the house. They're going to evaluate the problem, and based on centuries of understanding, they'll know what herb or spice I need immediately to remedy the situation and then what changes I will need to make to my diet to make sure I get better. Yeah, diet is such a big thing because mm-hmm. a lot of that, a lot of these uh, exotic things we talk about won't work. They seem exotic, but uh, you know, from when I say that, I mean from all over the world. Is is that uh, you won't? They won't work unless they're in a. If you have, for example, the alkaline environment in your body's mm-hmm. uh, 
is fostered by uh, eating a, a raw diet, uh, eating food, say uh, an apple with a, a peel will, ha- will have a more alkaline effect or alkaline forming effect in your body than an alkaline without a peel or the same for a potato or a banana mm-hmm. if it's more ripe is more alkaline than if it's not. Right. And uh, all these different um, eating habits need to be addressed also because uh, uh, like I say, a lot of them won't work and um, a lot of these things remedies won't work unless we take care of the underlying alkalinity issue and nutritional issue like uh, this patent I was uh, reading to you just a little while ago uh, that patent on olive leaf extract um, 6455070 and uh, extraction process 57141510 that uh, says that it works best under alkaline conditions and um, you know, this this is something that's uh, that's patented and, and uh, proven to work according to the United States Patent Office. Once again, all the things that I've uh, mentioned about it. So um, there are these things that are that are out there and and, uh, mm-hmm. and that are so clinically proven, and yet, like I say, they're not covered by by insurance. And uh, you can't patent a spice or exactly, drug. but you can patent the process, and you know that's how yeah. they they try to make a profit off of a lot of this stuff. But it only lends itself to proving that the uh, original whole herb uh, well, would probably work on its own and often does. Well, just as an example, just give a consider anybody at home can do this. You can take that, like say you have a, a cream you put on an area that you're swelling and you've got to put a cream on there to, to bring down the swelling. If you look at the ingredients list, you're going to find gar- uh, not garlic, but uh, ginger is going to be or it might be listed as another ingredient that there might be a chemical formula name for it, but that ginger or turmeric, that's a form of ginger, actually. Turmeric is a form of ginger. Those two items are anti-inflammatory and they can even be used on the skin because they'll, they'll absorb into the skin. And uh, what is it? Subcutaneously it absorbs. Mm-hmm. I forget what you call that term when it absorbs through yeah. the skin. And that's why those ingredients work. The other chemicals are just poison going into your body. But that's why yeah. those creams will work if they are high in content of ginger or turmeric. Well, it must be all the propylene glycol or the, oh gosh, I don't want to go through all the other terms. Uh, anything that basically has P-R-O-P as in propane yeah. in it isn't yeah. good for you. And as a pr- petroleum derivative, if you want to check your labels out, they put so much stuff in these cosmetics. It's it's incredible. and. And uh, it makes me think that uh, they're trying to kill us in, in any way, po- every way possible. They put um, in the lipstick. There's there are high levels of lead that's been found over mm. the years, and gosh, it's, it's it makes me wonder. Um, it makes me think that uh, all these these uh, blonde news babes on CNN are really da- brain damaged to have that job that they're set up there well, to do. Clearly, yeah. But don't forget too. I mean, women are the more susceptible. I mean, they're. It's not. A joke that women's skin is thinner. They're uh-huh. they literally have a thinner skin than than men, and that's just by nature. And therefore, anything any compounds that a woman puts on her skin, be it eyelash or lipstick, what have you, is also being absorbed into the skin. So, and what do they do? They target women. These these this guardian class know that they are going to attack us through the women. And what do the women do when they're sick? They always want to go to the doctor. 
Whereas oh, 100 years stereotype. ago. stereotype no, no, my gosh. It's just gonna, a natural thing. I'm not now, trying to make like fun of women. if you'd like to call up and beat up Dennis, the number in Pinellas yeah, is 727-441-3000. And uh, in the last waning minutes of the show, it's 866-826-1340, toll free. <laughs> so, oh yeah, we're going to talk about women, all right, but I, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, we're going to yeah, talk I mean, about Cindy Sheehan here and... Uh, in a moment, but you know, no, go and tell no, us a little but, but bit see, more I, about what you think. How well, I, I say this because I mean, I've, I've got I've got sisters and I've got sisters in law, and and you know, what's the one thing they do instead of like they used to do a hundred years ago? They used to know well if you because their grandmothers would have taught a grandmother would always teach the granddaughter and the grandchild grandson, but at some so point the grandson strictly familial experience, just the familiar experience. It used to be that you would be taught. When you're sick from this, this is what you do. But once the snake oil guys got a hold of the medical community, and within that two generations, they had already broken that familiar inheritance of understanding and information. And you now look to the new God, instead of the God of the Bible, instead of the God of your uh, upbringing, you now look to these new gods that can provide you this new wonderful cure. Just bow to their way of worship, and that might take the form of, uh, well, go to the doctor. Well, wait a minute. The doctors used to come to you, but the only time doctors would come to you is if you were so sick, the regular cures didn't do the trick. And so the doctor would usually be called in, or if you had a broken arm, it needed to be set, or you know, like something like that. Even with childbirth, there would be a midwife, not a doctor. Well, in the uh, uh-huh. in the Oriental tradition, there's uh, the, the uh, physician or the healer would come to you, of course, but um, you would uh, stop paying him if you were to become sick, rather than if you were <laughs> ill in China. So there's there's that kind of insurance system that uh, you know keeps everybody happy and healthy and working, and right. and uh, there the, uh, that's an interesting model to look at. But uh, I think it'd just be societally imposed rather than uh, government, you know, enforced, obviously. Right. Um, but uh, I want to talk, uh, let's see, about real fast, uh, to speaking about health care. Yeah, we certainly that. have varied off the topic here tonight. Yeah, yeah, I just want to get back to this. Uh, speaking of health care and the right to defend yourself, uh, you were mentioning militias, and the, the uh, a good reason for that is, um, as we've covered in the past, foreign mercenaries coming into our country. Is that, this the um, guy that brought the AR-15 this picture you have up yes, in, in to a, the... This is uh, an activist, Chris, uh, and uh, we don't have the time to play the, the video. No, um, well, <laughs> not, not, uh, not that I know of. Um, he, uh, his, um, his, his, uh, his patriotic sense is uh, extremely uh, bold. I mean, I, I don't know if <laughs> I could... Uh, I could come close, but um, this uh, article here on uh, freedomsphoenix.com entitled Obama Comes to Phoenix, Arizona, So Does Chris and His AR-15. This is dated today by uh, Thomas Costanzo. The usurper Obama comes to Phoenix, Arizona on August 16, 2009. Chris is inspired to come to the demonstration and exercise his right of free speech, which includes his right to carry a loaded AR-15, as well as his loaded Glock 17, a 9mm handgun, around while he is peacefully rallying for the rights of the individual. And it shows a picture of him. Uh, he's very proud of, of uh, his openly carrying his, of his AR-15. Continuing the article, he says, uh, he encounters crowds of ACORN-sponsored astroturf who are only interested in utilizing the force of government to steal from one group, the productive class, to give 
to give to the uh, to give to them another group, the welfare class. There are views of groups chanting for socialism, fascism, and the nanny state welfare versus freedom, individual rights, and responsibility. Oh, and by the way, this man uh, appears to be black. I'm, I don't know if I'm colorblind, but he looks like he's black to me. And, and uh, there, it seems like he, he's anti-Obama. Can you believe it? And he's toting an he AR-15. He must be racist. Well, yeah. If he's anti-Obama, he must be. I mean, that's just the way we're told, right? He was tempting everybody by by showing that weapon on his hip. I mean, he he could have been brandishing it, and somebody could have gotten killed. I mean, well, you just know what, think you of what, what could have happened. And he, he was fighting. He was fighting the stereotype of the angry white male Christian. Here he is, well dressed, obviously articulate, black man he's carrying an, an assault rifle, and he's on Alex's Alex Jones's show today. Oh, he was. Uh huh. Oh, we should interview this guy. Yeah, I'd, I will have to possible. play that. Uh, play that. Uh, yeah, if we can get in touch with him. Yeah, he's kind of uh, breaking the stereotype. I mean, he's of, wearing a tie. He's breaking the stereotype, mm-hmm. saying, "You know what? I'm here. You're not going to ignore me, but you know what? You're not going to cut me down for being something that I'm not. I am here. You can't ignore me. Deal with me." Well, they are. Like they are trying to ignore him, but uh, you know, you don't well, hear a whole. The, where he was, there's nobody him. ignoring that guy. Well, and you know what? The, the only pictures I saw on the Sludge Report or uh, Schlock's News, that's my pet names for those channels, it was him from the back with the rifle. That's all you saw. You never saw the man from the front. Looking at the man from the side or the front, you get a totally different yeah. mental image. See, that's the Drudge Report for you. That's the bought-off That's why media. I call it the Sludge Report. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to see what the opposition is saying, I guess, <laughs> what the bought-off press is saying. He used to be, Matt Drudge, I remember in 96, used to be quite awesome. I remember getting a lot of the news through him uh, back around 90, well, uh, earlier than that, 93. Someone would uh, constantly, through 93, through 97 right. um, era, he was excellent, and I would get a lot of breaking news from him, but he was clearly bought off, and I used to call into his talk show often and, uh, and ask him how he could be ignorant of things that were prevalent on his, his website, but uh, apparently he maybe I don't know oh, whether wait. he's running the show or not. He's breaking the skinhead stereotype, too. Uh, this guy's black shaved. skinhead. Oh, he's just trying to soften the image for skinheads. Skinhead. That's, That's it. All. That's it. <laughs> That's his motive there. But, you know, how can you marginalize this guy? Other than, The way they do it, obviously, is they try to make it not so apparent that he's black. You know, that's it. Oh, my gosh. Well, because it would break the stereotype. It breaks that you can't pigeonhole this person, this individual here. I'm telling you, until, the, until you showed me this, I, I was like, Who, what is this picture of this guy doing here? You mm-hmm. can't, looking at it from the front, you, unless you knew that that strap on his shoulder there was holding up a rifle behind him. He looks like an agent. He could be an agent. He's, he could, I don't believe he is. Secret Service. But yeah, right. You'd be looking for an earpiece. Except without which, the black jacket, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't see an earpiece on him. Now, there was that man in New Hampshire who uh, was also interviewed by Alex Jones. And uh, we'll just uh, briefly tell you about him. But he, Alex, they made such a big deal about it because... Uh, they were saying that uh, when a, uh, the Secret Service is going to take care of him, somebody ought to, the, the, they should have taken him away already. Well, this was hours before Obama was to appear. And this man was appear, was uh, showing up on public property with his exposed weapon. It's legal to carry exposed because it's, uh, the, it's protected by the Constitution. Um, the concealed carrying 
I don't know. Is was a, it, would was be it a, a school ground or something? Is a is a privilege. That's why they need you need to get a permit. But uh, no, they, they tried to say that he was too close to a school, okay. uh, within a thousand feet. Then they wouldn't tell him how far to go. Then they told him some extraordinary distance to go, uh, and then uh, he was offered a chance to protest much closer on church property. So that's where he stood. And still they yeah. complained. Yeah, they still have find some ninny nitpicking reason to to complain about. Well, gee, this New Hampshire bastion of freedom is allowing the open uh, carry of firearms, and uh, he's not menacing anybody. So it's a great example of of how to uh, heal and protect is a far greater example of to menace and harm. And he did nothing but protect his and represent uh, our all of our uh, right to protect ourselves. So I admire him for that. And I admire you, Dennis, for putting up for me for these two hours. Uh, thanks for joining us here at Liberation Station. Well, it's a cross-eyed bear. Thanks so much. And uh, <laughs> we'll see if you can do it one more time and make that walk again. <laughs> yeah. You reach us here at uh, theliberationstation.com is the website. I've been your host, Chris Steiner, and this has been Dennis joining you. hope you all take great care. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Got uh, Sydney Sheehan and uh, Sydney. Stop.